today is probably the most beneficial teaching that Jill and I ever heard. It is probably the most painful one for me to deliver. If you're just joining us today or you haven't been here the last several weeks, I'm teaching a series called Life Changers. They're a series of teachings that we have heard over our life that some were 40-something years ago, the, the perfect will of God which uh, my mentor, Pastor G. Lee Thomas, delivered when I was 18 or 19 years old. I think I was a freshman at Oral Roberts. Came home from the summer and he preached that. And I I could have got up and preached it word for word with every illustration that he used. It It was one of those times that it made such an impact upon me. Today I want to talk about four laws of healthy relationships, and the reason it's painful for me is because it is a teaching that I wish someone would have given us when we first got married, but no one did. So allow me to read Genesis chapter 2, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone, I will make him a helper who is just right for him, so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each of them. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And the man says, at last! Now, do you think that God was in any way surprised that any of the other creation didn't fulfill the need that man had? No, he wasn't caught off guard. It was the guy that didn't get it. No surprise there. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. This explains, listen to this phrase. Here it is. It's all wrapped up right here. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. That verse right there explains four laws of healthy relationships. It's right there. You see, when God created man, woman, the institution of marriage, he had a plan. In Genesis 2, immediately following following the creation of Adam and Eve, God ordained four laws for marriage to operate within. Just like natural laws that guide and guard creation, these four laws provide foundation and protection for marriage. With these laws, marriage is safe and marriage is beautiful. Without them, marriage is dangerous and painful. Part of this, these laws, they create order for us and they create safety. And and there is security in order and safety. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I'd love to tell you that Jill and I were very young and we got married and it was all wonderful and we knew the principle of the Word of God and we just lived by it. I'd love to tell you that's what we did. However, that wouldn't make a great intro story. You see, we learned the four laws the hard way. We learned the four laws the really hard way. We learned them the painful way. In fact, one of the great discoveries, and allow me to, to tell this story, uh, we'd gone through a season in, in our marriage where, where I was feeling like, okay, you understand I'm a, 
Pentecostal pastor's son, and you know how divorce is viewed. And if I get a divorce, you know what happens to my career, because after all, my career is very important. You're supposed to say, uh-huh. So that's what I'm thinking. So I'm reaching the place that it's like, God, I, I don't want to live like this any longer. So you just need to take Jill home. Aren't you grateful that the Lord doesn't answer some of my prayers? Okay, the irony is, and, and we didn't know this because we never confessed this to one another. The irony was is that she was saying, I can't take living like this anymore. And I don't want to divorce him because I don't want to ruin his life for him. So, Lord, you're going to just need to take him home. <laughs> we were both praying that the other person would die. And how do you get there? When you think back to that Sunday morning, yes, we got married Sunday morning church. Why? Because the, the only reception hall worth using in Sonora was booked for the next two years on Saturday. But, oh, you want to use it on Sunday? Nobody uses it on Sunday. Fine. Well, you know what? I'm pastoring a church. Why shouldn't the people just come once that week? So we got married right in the middle of a Sunday morning service. And it was a wedding built with such hope and such dreams. And, and, and we'd had this, this storybook. To me, it was storybook. I'm the little mountain boy, and this girl comes from Orange County to visit her parents and attends church and happens to be the Sunday that our senior pastor's gone. And guess who's doing it all? I'm leading worship. I'm preaching Sunday morning. I'm preaching Sunday night. I'm, you know, it's just wonderful. And she comes up after the Sunday night service, introduced to me by her mom. And... One of the life groups was meeting that night after service for refreshments. Why don't you come on over? We spent, I don't know how many hours standing out on their deck in the beautiful Crystal Falls area looking at the stars and the pine trees. And, and none of the background, and what they served that night, I don't know, I don't care. We talked and talked and talked. And we spent most of that week together. And then she went back to Southern California and then came back the following week. That's when I found out she could drive like she could fly because she'd say, I'm leaving now. And five and a half hours later, she'd be to Sonora. And to me, that was an eight-hour drive. She did it in five and a half. So we, we had, it was, just a, it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. We were excited to be with each other, excited to see each other. We, we couldn't wait. Uh, we would talk at night. We'd have to call. Remember the days when you'd call after 11 because it was cheaper? Yeah. Problem is, after 11 for me, just like now, I'd fall asleep. We'd fall asleep on the phone. It was a beautiful thing. It wasn't long after I went to visit her in Southern California, and it wasn't long after that she moved to, to Twain Hart. And so there we stood on that day, and a pastor had to remind me, you're not giving vows to me, look at her. <laughs> I was so, so afraid I was going to mess up the words that I was just staring at him for, for every word he was telling me to repeat. He, he looks, you're not marrying me. He whispered that to me. It's like, okay, yeah, good, good point, Julie. So we got married, and here we are seven years later, and we're both praying the other would die. How did we get here? Well, I'll tell you how we got there. For me, it was my church. I worked seven days a week. 
church I was at had a school. I was kind of, uh, what would the word you use? How did I become principal? Didn't really ask for it. I just did. Um, we went on our honeymoon. We came home. It was a Monday morning. Pastor said, welcome back. Hope you had a great time. Uh, we sold the church while you were gone. And our church had purchased 108 acres. And it was this big project. Uh, feel free to visit Christian Heights Estates in Sonora. Uh, we have this project. He goes, one of us needs to devote full time to the project to getting our church built, moved, built in Christian Heights. And the other one needs to run the school. And I looked at him and started thinking, okay, let me think about this. I know a little bit about the school because I work in it and I'm now acting as vice principal, but I really, I never trained for that. But let's see, you spent six years in ministry or in between two ministry stints where you were in construction. Let's see, which one of us should lead the project? I guess you, G. Lee, I guess I'll be principal. That's how I found out. And he said, I thought you'd choose that. I've already hired someone to take your place in the classroom. All right, then. And so we began the process of moving Sonora Assembly of God, which is now Christian Heights Church, to Christian Heights Estates. 108 acres. We divided it into parcels. We put in a road. When I say we, we drove the tractors. When I say we put in a sewer, I don't mean we paid somebody. We, I mean, I was in the ditch. You ever done those 20-foot things? I've done it all. And... When school started up, we used other places for a year, and every Saturday we worked. Well, guess what that did to my bride, who married me to be with me? And plus, I'm leading a small group on Thursday night, and then I take over another one on Wednesday night, and we had youth group that I led on Friday night, so I was never home. And I thought I was being nice and saying, if you don't want to come, feel free to stay home. What was I sending a message to her? That she wasn't valued, that, that she didn't matter to me. On her side, here, here's, again, I probably should let Joe get up and tell more, but since I got the microphone. Um, it seemed to me that she had more energy for our children than she did for me. And Jill always had strength for social things. Why? Because it met a need that I wasn't meeting. I get it now. I'm not, I'm pl please do not take anything I'm saying about her as, as anything about her. Because women are responders. Had I led properly, she would have responded. Friends seem to be of greater value. And the main thing was is that there was no actual communication. Guess what I discovered years later? We broke all four laws of healthy relationships. We broke all four of them. And guess what happened when you break the laws? There are consequences. So I want to give you those four laws quickly this morning. The first one is the law of priority. The law of priority. It says, leave father and mother. I've seen many a marriage not get past this because the husband won't leave his mommy. There are meant to be three people in a marriage relationship. Hang on now. There are meant to be three, and I'll tell you who they are. They're husband, wife, and God. That's the three. Not husband, mother, and wife. 
Now, it can work both ways. I'll pick on the guys because I are one. But the word leave there means to, uh, in Hebrew, loose, forsake, depart, or set free. You know, some moms don't want to let go of their son, and some sons don't want to let go of their mother. It works both ways. It says they're to leave their father and mother. Your failure to keep this law allows rejection, resentment, anger, and jealousy to flourish. When you don't keep this law, when, when I don't leave, I, I will be honest, I, I resented sometimes Jill needing me because I had some close relationships with friends that went back through my years of college, and it's like we had fun, and not all my time with her was fun, so... I resent, I got to be with you when I could go do, huh? Well, I didn't realize that I was creating in her a sense of rejection, resentment, anger, and even jealousy. She could become angry towards the church. Why they want him seven days a week? You see, as God is jealous over us, and please understand jealousy in the godly term is protective. It's protective. We have a jealousy in us to protect relationships. Exodus 34, you must worship no other gods. I think we're going to hear this probably pretty soon. For the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. You see, what I failed to understand, what we failed to understand is this simple truth, is the number one priority is to keep the number one priority the number one priority. Now, I didn't stutter for those of you that are watching online. We failed to understand the number one priority is to keep the number one priority, I'll make it easier, in its place as the number one priority priority. Now there are four elements that communicate this particular law of priority and they are this. Number one is sacrifice. Sacrifice communicates our commitment to the priority of the relationship. Sacrifice. When we show that we are willing to sacrifice to give up things for ourselves in order to serve and honor someone else, that communicates value. It communicates priority. The second is time. Time, like money, is a limited commodity. And priority is communicated by the way we spend our time. Do you remember the season of time when there was all this, well, it's quality time that matters. Yeah, well, any time you're awake and breathing is quality time. The third is energy. Energy. You know, when we were dating and when we were engaged, it was amazing how we could work all day. I could teach at school. I could run a school. I could go, go home, change, run up to Twain Heart, get her, go to dinner or eat dinner with her. And, and we could spend all evening talking and, you know, finally, well, we do have to go to work tomorrow, go back home, and, and, and man, there, uh, we had it. Then imagine what she's seeing after we're married. 
trudge in the door to the house at Twain Hart, if it was a work on the project day, dirty, maybe maybe if, if I'd been clearing brush, I couldn't even let her touch her clothes. She'd get poison oak off of my clothes. So I have to go right to the laundry. Oh, we need to bring in wood. Some of you maybe don't get that. Some of you remember those days when that's how our house was kept warm. If I didn't bring in wood, it was going to be cold. So we'd doing that. She'd be taking care of the kids, get dinner. Our dishwasher was a sink. Sit down in front of the wood stove, slide the, the thing up real close to it, turn on our 19-inch TV, pull a blanket up. She'd be asleep by 8. Not blaming her. Now I'm asleep at 6, so I'm returning the favor. We moved from a time where the time we spent and the energy we gave was number one to where it was just leftovers. You know, here's the good news. Marital satisfaction study showed that marriage satisfaction declines until the children leave home. Then if you're still together, it goes back up again. Just letting you know, we found that to be true. I cried for weeks when Lindsay left home. When Heather left home, it was like, just, I love Heather. Don't get me wrong. The fourth thing communicates is attitude. What message does your attitude communicate about your spouse? Our priorities must be constantly protected from good things that are out of priority. Did you hear me? They're not bad things. They're good things. Me working and serving a church was a good thing. But it was in the wrong place. I gave more energy to the Sonora church than I did to my spouse. I paid for that relationally. In fact, I'm going to say this, and you'll hear more about this coming up. Most idols are good things out of place. You see, our right priorities are God, our marriage, our children, our church, extended family, friends, work, hobbies, interests. You see how those work, hobby, interests get way down there? But many of us, they get messed up. Now, there can be protection found in our disciplines. If you develop certain patterns, certain things you're going to always do, we got in bad patterns. But good patterns can protect you. Good disciplines, good traditions, such as putting God first, of giving, of taking a Sabbath. I used to make fun of people that said, oh, I need a day off, I need to take a Sabbath. And it was always the people that said that that I thought were lazy. Huh? So God must be lazy. Think about it. Think about it. He's not. I'm just saying think about it. What are some priorities in, in marriage? Well, how about a date night? What does that mean? Well, you can't afford to go out. Don't, don't have to afford to go out. Just you have a time that you set for you. Years ago, we started walking. We would walk... When we were younger, we didn't care about what the temperature was. I remember one time our dog just pulled over on the grass, 
plopped out and said, I'm not moving. That's how hot it was when we lived in Elk Grove. I used to tell the kids when we'd go away for twice a year, try to go to Lake Tahoe, and they'd say, Dad, how come we never get to go? I said, because I have to be married to your mother long after you're gone. (laughs) Second law, the law of pursuit. The law of pursuit. It says cleave to your wife. The word cleave means to cling, follow closely, catch, or pursue. So it's saying pursue your spouse, to pursue with energy, to cling, to hold fast. Now, there's some problems with the law of pursuit, because in human nature, we pursue until we get what we want. Then we get lazy and take each other for granted. When the law of pursuit, there are four common misconceptions about love and marriage. Let me just briefly touch on them. Here's one. If I marry the right person, the emotions will happen naturally and effortlessly throughout our marriage. Harold Duncan, our pastor in Lodi, took me aside. He always called me Sir Galahad. He said, Sir Galahad, you need to remember this. Motion leads to emotion. And how profound that was. Because there's times you just don't feel in love. Why? Because what happens with feelings? They change. They come and they go. My daughter said something the other day. She, you know, they were asking her, well, are you happy about moving to Arizona? She said, not really. I hate the heat. I get grumpy. And she does. Well, if her relationship with Jeff is based on how she feels, there's going to be some days that she's not in love when they live in Arizona. Do you hear what I'm saying? Emotions can't fuel a relationship long term. Only commitment can. That's why Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wives. How has Christ loved the church? What did God say about his love towards us? John 3, God so loved that he gave. It was a decision. It was not, oh, I'm feeling kind of giddy towards people today. Let's send Jesus. Oh, I'm not feeling so giddy. Emotional love is insecure and it's inconsistent. But agape love, God's love, is enduring and powerful. So here's the key. You daily need to work and pursue fresh love. You need to do that. If you don't work at your relationship every day, it doesn't work. Second, and you're fine on the screen, by the way. I added a whole bunch of stuff after I sent you this. If emotions, if my emotions change towards my spouse, I must have married the wrong person. This is a satanic deception that produces agonizing thoughts of regret, fear, blame, and temptation. All you need is to watch the commercials about e-harmony and all this. You can find the person you're, you know, yeah, right. How about this? If you surf the web and you can figure out what surfing I'm talking about, it can paint a picture for you that's unrealistic, that can never be. These things create fantasy, and fantasy is wrong. Satan wants us to believe the grass is greener on the other side. Here's something for you. When it looks greener, it's time to water your yard. And the reason the grass looks greener is you can't see the weeds from here. 
but they're there. The third falsehood is positive events and experiences should fuel relationship long term. That's false. Marriage operates on the manna principle. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Do you remember when they were feasting on manna every day? Except collecting for the Sabbath, how long was it good for? One day. Guys build their life on points. You know, I, I've remembered roses on all the big events. I've even preached, go to Costco and you can get a deal. The problem is, the roses from her birthday don't help today. I can't live off points. The fourth lie is when you've fallen out of love, there's no way to get it back. That's a lie. You can have it better. Here's the truth. You fell in love because you worked at it. You stay in love because you work at it. So there, I think I have it in point B. You need to make plans to pursue. How did it all start? It started for us on every time we could be together, we were together. I can remember going and picking her up. If you don't know Sonora, Twain Hart, Sonora, generally below the snow line, Twain Hart, 11 miles away, 2,000 feet higher snow. I had a Volkswagen Jetta with an air dam. Do you know that those things can actually serve as a snow plow? I would go up the hill, get her, plow into the driveway because her dad didn't want to shovel it. You could see the imprint of the center of my grill where I went in as far as I could go. I learned a trick that I could turn that car around in their driveway by putting on the handbrake and backing up and spinning. I could literally turn 180 degrees and pull out and we'd go have a wonderful time. I didn't mind that. We'd come up and hit Twain Heart grade and there'd be the chain sign. I don't believe in chains. But old Twain Heart grade, they were slower in putting the chain sign out. So we'd go back down, go around, even though it's a more dangerous road, two-lane, windy versus a freeway, and we'd come up that way. And I didn't break the law. Why didn't? Because you know what? I was pursuing. You have to intentionally cultivate a relationship. Number three, the law of possession. The law of possession and the law of possession says the two become one flesh. One, in this case, is a synonym for intimacy. Two become one. It means a couple has become so intimate, so intertwined, and so harmonious, they flow as one in marriage. And it's the product, hear this, of mutual surrender. When I say the law of possession, many times women will cringe because they think, oh, man and ownership. I'm not saying that at all. The law of possession says this, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Now, there's some hindrances to this law. One is dominance. Dominance is having a disproportionate control over a relationship. Uh, a dominant person resists sharing home or marriage with the other spouse. Jimmy Evans tells a great story about a couple that he was counseling, and the gentleman said, well, she's never been in my house. And he said, you're married? No, but it's my house, so she has her apartment, and, and, then I have my, and she's not allowed to come into my house because I don't want her messing with my stuff. Do you think that marriage had a chance? 
there are some phrases that you may have heard that, that really point to this idea of dominance and make light of it. You ever heard this one? It's my way or the highway. Or how about this one? I'll pick on the other side of the, the crowd here. If mama isn't happy, no one is happy. That's selfish. A University of Washington study showed the most important element of well-being of a relationship is shared control. Now, how do you identify areas of dominance? I'll give you one. Look for areas of constant nagging. A constant complaint or nagging means that's an area in which a person feels that you're maintaining dominance. Another way to identify is there's certain topics that can create defensive responses. Your spouse says something to you, you react to it every time. Okay, why am I? Well, it's because an area I want to maintain control. So the first is dominance. The second is independence. One person refusing to be dependent on another. There are two causes for the maintenance of independence. One is hurts from previous relationships, unhealed wounds. This happened to me, I'll never let it happen to me again. The second cause, you're not going to like to hear it, is sin, where you purposely choose to withhold or withdraw. The third area that causes trouble here is failure to respect differences. Do differences, ask this question, do differences complement or cause conflict? We have reached a place in our 40 years where we've come to understand the best way to make a decision is to agree. And if we don't agree, we don't decide. Now, this is trivial. I admit it's trivial. But the last car we bought, which with me is usually an 8 to 12-hour ordeal, it's just who's going to outlast that salesperson and win was a 20-minute thing because we looked at each other and said, what do you think? And she goes, I think this is great. Me too. Okay. Why are differences complementary? You see, um, we think, feel, and perceive things differently. I value the fact that she has perception and insight about things that I don't see. So I want that in our decision-making, but I didn't always. See, surrender communicates value. Willingness to surrender ownership and control and share everything communicates value to your spouse. And what is the outcome of this law of possession? Intimacy occurs as you share everything and are genuinely interested in meeting, catch this, each other's needs. The last is the law of purity. The law of purity. They were naked and felt no shame. Adam and Eve were fully exposed to each other and completely open without fear. They were naked and felt no shame.
Now you're sitting here. I know somebody getting nervous. For me to be naked with Jill has nothing to do with clothes. It has everything to do with how I feel. Expressing the things that I fear. That's the vulnerability. Does that make sense? Sin destroyed Adam and Eve's intimacy. And look what happened when that's destroyed. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. There are some hindrances to the law of purity. There are three sins of commission. Number one is rejection. Rejection. Love is our greatest need. Rejection is our greatest fear. As being an abandoned child and not even understanding, I never understood why I struggled with rejection until I found out I was abandoned. And it's like, well, it makes sense. And I feared that rejection. So I, I never held anybody too close because I didn't want to be rejected again. The second or sin of commission is infidelity. This doesn't have to always be physical. It can be an emotional relationship. And the third thing, your words that wound. There's a phrase that I said to Jill one time, just, I don't know, probably a shock value, that has stuck with her to this day. She's forgiven me for it, and I've apologized and asked God to forgive me thousands of times. But it's words I wish I'd have never said. Because they wounded her deeply. There are also three sins of omission. The first is not meeting each other's needs. Not meeting each other's needs. The second is displaced priorities. They can be work, children, friends, recreation. Probably the most dangerous one is the third, taking a person for granted. Unsafe relationships have a detrimental outcome. Look what it is. It's where we started. Shame. Now, here's a great truth for you. Women are physically modest. Men are emotionally modest. There must be a place for open communication and full exposure without the fear of rejection. A place where you can share dreams, desires, issues, conflicts, and pain. These four laws teach us how to build a relationship based on intimacy and safety. Now, you can be in the room and say, I'm not married. Okay, there's still four principles of healthy relationships. 
you take them to the depth of the relationship. Obviously, a marriage relationship, you pursue those deeper than you do for a friendship. There are some of you in the room that are younger that you're hoping to be married. These are principles. Don't say, I didn't know. These are principles that will guarantee success in a relationship, keeping you free from guilt and shame. Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for helping us overcome technical difficulties. <laughs> we pray that the truth of your word will resound in our hearts. And we'll thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Father's Day is coming up on the 20th. We heard about it last week. Biscuits and gravy breakfast at 9 on that day. Plus, we have some surprise for the dads. On the 25th of July, we have the Baptique. How many have ever heard of that phrase until a week ago? It's a church, all church baptism and barbecue. Uh, we'll have a sign up sheet in the next week or so. If you haven't been baptized or you were baptized as a baby and you want to be baptized, there's, there's not going to be a class. I'm going to teach on it that Sunday. We're going to Chris and Bibi's house. We have a church barbecue. Uh, the only time the kids have to get out of the pool is when we're baptizing because I don't want to drown anyone. And if, if I had to do it today, it would be serious trouble because I couldn't pick anybody back up. We, we might have to sprinkle. Um, anyway, we look forward to that. That's on the 25th of July. God bless you. Have a great, great week. Thanks for being here.